Hey, buddy, what you doing? Is it Christmas yet? No, sorry, not yet. I can't wait for Christmas. Yeah, I can't wait for Christmas either. In fact, let's celebrate now. <laughs> Welcome to the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast. This is the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast for July 25th, 2015. Coming up on today's show, we're going to take a look at the classic Christmas special, A Charlie Brown Christmas. I'm going to list my top five favorite Christmas carols that are funny. And you guys are going to get involved. We're going to pit two legendary Christmas artists against each other. And you're going to decide who sang it best. All right, let's start the show. Thank you so much for downloading the very first episode of the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast. My name is Tim Babb. I am a stand-up comedian, and uh, a couple years ago, I just got super obsessed with Christmas. It may have been the fact that I had just become a father, and when you become a father, you look at Christmas through a whole new way, or the fact that at the time, I was working three different jobs, so I was hardly ever home, and I felt like the entire Christmas season passed me by. Ever since then, I don't want to stop celebrating Christmas. I feel like I missed it that one year, so I'm celebrating forever now. Whatever the reason is, I love Christmas. Whatever the reason you love Christmas, I'm glad you're here so that we could uh, basically celebrate. That's what this show is all about, trying to celebrate Christmas all year long. But we do it in our earbuds, so the outside world that doesn't want to celebrate Christmas in the middle of March can't stop us. My hope for the show is that it's all about joy, nostalgia, a few laughs, and maybe even dropping a little knowledge here and there, but I'm not super smart, but I'll do as much research as I can. So, why don't we get into our first segment? Now, being this is July, there is not a lot of obvious avenues around to celebrate. So, this month and every episode, I will share a tip I use for adding a little merriment to your life any time of the year in a segment that I like to call, We Need a Little Christmas Now. This episode's tip is something I actually did a while back, but you can do it anytime. What I did is I put up Christmas lights inside my garage. Now, a little background on this. Uh, I kept my Christmas lights up until Valentine's Day this year. Uh, I didn't really plan on leaving them up that long, but I had it in my head that I wanted to be the last one on the block to take them down, and there was a few neighbors that just never took them down. Not only that, they would light them up at night sometimes, too. So, of course, so would I. So, but finally, the other neighbors took their lights down, so I had to as well. But I thought to myself, sure, I have to take them from the outside of the house, but I can put them right back up on the inside of the garage where no one else can see them but me. Now, every time I go to the garage to grab something or do laundry, I flick the lights on and enjoy a little Christmas anytime I want. It's like the Christmas version of a man cave. So I guess it would be like a a Christmas cave or the Fortress of Jingletude. I don't know. It doesn't really have a name. I just know I like it. Now, I know some of you listening are like, Hey, Tim, I don't have a garage. I talk like Kermit the Frog, and this tip doesn't help me. Fear not, imaginary listener I just made up who sounds like Kermit the Frog. I was just like you for a very long time. Like, when I lived in L.A., I didn't have a parking space, much less a garage. But I still managed to keep a little Christmas going all year round by hanging the Christmas lights in my bedroom. What I would do is I would turn them on sometimes at night, and it would be like a Christmas nightlight. Why not? It's your room. Make it as Christmassy as you want it. So uh, that's my tip for this week. Hanging up Christmas lights indoors somewhere where it's not 
people are in the neighborhood aren't be like, ugh, Christmas lights all year, but somewhere where you can just go, you know what? I need a little Christmas. Click. Ah. So uh, I think that was a pretty successful uh, first segment. What do you think, Santa? <laughs> okay. I guess that means he likes it. Kind of his answer to everything. But uh, I guess we'll just move on to our next segment. Now, no podcast is complete without a list of the podcaster listing things according to his or her own preferences and whimsy. And this podcast is no exception. So we're going to do a countdown of my five favorite funny Christmas carols in a segment I like to call Five Golden Things. Five Golden all right, now, full disclosure, I actually did this list as a blog post on the website for this podcast network's flagship podcast. But don't think you can just go and read that blog and skip this section of the show, because I've actually made a few changes to the list. So if you read it, get ready for a few surprises. And if you haven't read it, well, this is all new stuff, so let's start with my number five, Minty, the candy cane that fell on the ground from Conan on TBS. Oh, when the holidays come around, you can hear the sound of Minty, the candy cane who briefly fell on the ground. Minty fell on the ground, now Minty's covered in goo. Cause Minty fell on the ground For just a moment or two So if you don't know the song or you don't watch Conan Show It's a brilliant piece of writing done by his comedy staff And uh, they occasionally introduce a lot of characters on that show And this one they would, did a Christmas time uh, character And it was called Minty the Candy Cane that fell on the ground It's exactly what it sounds like It's a walking, talking candy cane that fell on the ground And it's got hair and dirt and other stuff in it But what they did was they wrote this uh, cool jingle that sounds like it was ripped from like a 1950s actual Christmas type song, but it was actually written in 2010. And it's a perfect blend of comedy and Christmas goodness. I think they even say on the show, we've come up with a new holiday classic. We've got a new holiday classic on our hands. And uh, I think they did. I'm surprised it doesn't get more radio play over the holidays. I love this song, and that's why it's number five on this list. Song number four on this list is from the South Park Christmas album entitled Mr. Hankey's Christmas Classics, and it's Mr. Mackey singing Carol of the Bells. Uh, hark, hear the bells, sweet silver bells, all seem to say ding dong um kite. Christmas is here, bringing good cheer to young and old, big and a boat, ding dong ding dong, that is their song, ding joyful ring, go caroling. Now, I probably could have put a lot of songs from the album on this list, because a lot of the songs are funny. You got uh, the Mr. Hankey theme song, Cartman trying to sing Oh Holy Night, and a couple other ones. You got the Hanukkah song. But the thing is, this is a family podcast, and I figured I'd pick the least offensive song from the soundtrack. And I do love the this version of the song, and I love Carol of the Bells in general. And just the addition of every so often really makes this funny. So it's a good Christmas classic, plus it's funny, so that's how it gets a spot on this list. Song number three on the list is from arguably the king of musical comedy, Weird Al Yankovic, and it's Christmas at Ground Zero. It's Christmas at Ground Zero, there's music in the air. The sleigh bells are ringing and the carolers are singing while the air raid sirens blare. Honestly, I'd forgotten about this song for a pretty long time. I rediscovered it last year when uh, I got an album of Christmas uh, novelty songs because I was looking for the Barking Dog Jingle Bells song. Which would be on this list, but it's not so much funny ha-ha as it is funny smile. Like, you get a little smile, but you're not really laughing at the dogs barking. Uh, but it is a good song, and it would have made this list. But it's not as funny as this song by Weird Al Yankovic. This is one of those Christmas songs that if you rewrite the lyrics, it could just be a straight, awesome Christmas song. Like, straight ahead. Like, it sounds like it came from that golden era of Christmas music, but instead, Weird Al fills it with all this 
he sort of mixes you know, like the, the the iconic symbols of Christmas <laughs> with random images of like uh, you know 50s, 60s, 70s paranoia from uh, when the Cold War was happening. We all thought we were gonna have to hide under a desk, like that was gonna help the nuclear explosion. For some reason, like the awfulness of that combined with Christmas. It takes away the, the, the sting of the awfulness and just uh, just makes it funny. And just, it's a great song to listen to and sing along to. And uh, uh, I actually got to open for Weird Al a few years back, and I got to interview him before the, the show, and I never asked him about this. So I'm hopefully, I'm hopefully, I'm hoping someday I can get him on this podcast. I can talk to him about this song and uh, the night Santa went crazy. But let's move on to number two. I'll go out with you and see all the new mutations on New all right, this is another classic Christmas carol given a comedy spin. It's Let It Snow, performed by Captain Picard and the cast of Star Trek The Next Generation. Oh, the weather outside is frightful, but the fire is so delightful. And since we've no place to go, make it so, make it so, make it so. YouTuber Jason Covenant edited this together in 2013, and uh, he uses an instrumental karaoke version of Let It Snow and edited together like clips one word at a time from Star Trek The Next Generation to make them singing this song. Uh, I'm, I'm a little biased here because uh, a little, little uh, inside dope about Tim Babb, I am a big Star Trek nerd, and of course I'm a big Christmas nerd, so like when those two cross over, that is like my nexus, which is itself a Star Trek reference, so that's why this song landed at number two on my list. We're still goodbye, men, but as long as you love me, so make it so. Make it so. Make it so. Speaking of cleverly edited songs, I wanted to throw in an honorable mention to Chewbacca singing Silent Night as edited together by some random person on the internet. I don't know. This is not the part of the show where I drop knowledge by looking things up and doing my research. This is the part of the show where I just throw out a random honorable mention to a Wookiee singing Silent Night. Well, let's get to number one. Oh, it's another Christmas song. Whoa, get ready, brother, for another Christmas song. The play for a month ad infinitum. One day it struck me, someone must write them. So, it's another Christmas song. Stephen Colbert's Another Christmas Song. Once again, another funny Christmas song that sounds beautiful and amazing. It sounds like those classic big band Christmas songs. Like, I think these are my favorite when it's, when it's a funny song that sounds like it could be a legit Christmas carol. That's why I Want a Hippopotamus for Christmas did not make this list. That thing is grating and annoying. I don't want to sing it. I don't care if it's funny. But Stephen Colbert captured the sound of a beautiful Christmas song and mixed it with his trite observations of Christmas that are all jumbled together and spouted out wrong. It's just beautiful. Like, he gets, like, everything wrong that he's trying to say. But meanwhile, he's just trying to get you to buy his song and give him money. Like, it's a, it's a perfect satirical takedown of the commercialism that is involved on the, the, the creative side of Christmas Christmas consumerism, you know, like Christmas people who make Christmas songs and Christmas movies and Christmas TV shows. Like, it's a perfect satire of that, and that's why I miss that dude's Comedy Central show. Uh, and that's also why this song is number one on the list. While my kids are singing to the hope, my registers ching, 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 from the cash house, singing from another 
that's it for five golden things. If you have a suggestion for five things you'd like me to count down in a future episode, just go ahead and go to the website, can'twaitforchristmaspod.com, or you can email me at tim at tancast.com, and uh, if you've got a good suggestion, I will totally count them down. You can even give me your suggested five if you want. Or you could also go to the website and or email in, tell me your five favorite funny Christmas songs. Did I leave one out? Did I put some in the wrong order? Should Weird Al have been number one? I don't know. You talk to me. Meanwhile, we're going to get to our feature today's show. Uh, we're going to take a look at the Charlie Brown Christmas special. Find the true meaning of Christmas when money, 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 spectacular, super colossal, neighborhood Christmas lights and display contest. Lights and display contest? Oh, no. My own dog gone commercial. I can't stand it. Oh, So, A Charlie Brown Christmas will be celebrating its 50th anniversary this year, 2015. It was way back in 1965 that CBS first premiered the show about Charlie Brown having Christmas blues before that was even a thing. Then his pal Linus teaches Charlie Brown and all of us the true meaning of Christmas. These days, it's just an accepted, it's a holiday classic. You're going to watch it at least once every Christmas. But when I was doing my research for this episode, I found out this special almost didn't get made. In fact, not only did it almost not get made, but its origins are actually super ironic. So let's take a little bit of a deeper look at A Charlie Brown Christmas. Ugh! I've been kissed by a dog! I have dog germs! Get hot water! Get some disinfectant! Get some iodine! So, a few years before the special, executive producer Lee Mendelson and Peanuts creator Charles Schultz were trying to get a Peanuts special on the air. But they faced a lot of pushback because there were kids who talked like adults and like the network execs didn't think people wanted to see that on TV. It was only when a Coca-Cola ad executive saw the Peanuts on the cover of Time magazine that they got in contact with Mendelssohn and asked to sponsor a Charlie Brown Christmas special. In 2011, uh, Mendelssohn told Time magazine... I'm quoting now, so I had to clear my throat. When Coca-Cola called after the time cover, they asked if we ever thought of doing a Christmas show. And I lied and said, oh, absolutely. So they asked them to send an outline on Monday. I called Schultz on the phone and said, I think I just sold a Charlie Brown Christmas. And he said, what's that? And I told him, it's something you're writing by tomorrow. So it's ironic that this iconic special about raging against the commercialization of Christmas was only brought about because Coca-Cola wanted to sponsor something. In fact, you never see this anymore, but there is an unedited version uh, when it originally aired. There was a Coca-Cola sign animated into the opening credits. Uh, there's also a, a big, you know, brought to you by the people who bottle Coca-Cola in the closing credits. So it was bookended by Coca-Cola. So that was pretty brave of them to put all that anti-consumerism and anti-commercialism content in a vehicle that was just basically a way for Coca-Cola to try and sell people more soda. The irony of this was not lost on Charles Schultz, who said that, like, I can't control what the merchandising is and what they do after it. Uh, All that's in my hands is the control of the content and what I write, and this is what I want to say. Now, that's not exactly what his quote was, but I think you get the gist of what he meant. No. All right, well, I couldn't look up the actual quote, but you get the gist of it. That is, that is, that's what he said. That's what he meant. That's, I'm, I'm not on trial here. I'm going to go back to telling you more about this thing. Now, that's not the only uh, capitalistic irony of this anti-consumer Christmas special. Uh, it was shown on CBS, where it was a huge hit. It was such a hit that CBS showed it every year. Now, I know you're thinking, wait, 
I'm pretty sure I saw it on ABC last year. And that's because the people who are now own the rights to the special, uh, they switched networks because ABC made them a better deal. The bottom line, kids, that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Uh, one thing I found interesting is that the network was actually, when I say the network, I mean CBS. This is originally. Uh, the, the network was actually super nervous about the inclusion of Linus reading that Bible passage. Uh, I mean, it's a super iconic scene in the movie. Like, you can't picture the special without it. It's kind of the heart, kind of the anchor of, like, you know, why the special exists. Like, the, it's the, it's almost the moral of the entire story. But for some reason, the network execs were nervous about this overtly religious content. I'm not sure why. You'd think if someone was watching a Christmas special, they were at least open to the concept of Christianity. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy. It shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace. Goodwill toward men. I think we should just make a rule. If you're making a Christmas special, it's totally cool if you quote from the Bible. Are we all agreed on that? Oh, you know what? Turns out it's a podcast. I can't hear you if you're answering. Moving on. Uh, some other controversial decisions were made at the time of the special, like the decision to use actual kids to voice the kids' parts. Apparently, in animation up till that time, you wouldn't use the kids. You would use adults faking a kid voice. But apparently, Charles Schultz insisted it had to be actual kids. Interestingly enough, that created its own set of challenges since the kids, some of them, weren't old enough to read. That's why it sounds like some of them are being fed their lines off mic and then just repeating what they heard the adults say because that's exactly what's happening. Another interesting thing is that a CBS actually wanted a laugh track. Now, I just recently watched this before I started recording, and if you have a copy, pull it out, play it, and picture it with like a sitcom-style laugh track going on, and you'll see why Schultz fought tooth and nail to make sure that didn't happen. And thank goodness he didn't. He's like, I want people to laugh where they want to laugh, not where we tell them to. <laughs> I mean, why would you put a laugh track in an animated show anyway? We're all aware there was no studio audience watching this being drawn, and even so, like, what did they laugh after they drew the last picture that was funny? Like, and then they shaded it in? <laughs> I get it. But you would think once they finished the production, they would realize what a great show, what a great special they had on their hands with the Charlie Brown Christmas. That was not the case. Charles Schultz and producer Lee Mendelson, they were super worried about it. They didn't think people would like it, and they were actually super nervous about showing it to CBS. Here is a clip of producer Lee Mendelson talking to the Archive of American Television, and he talks about the first experience showing a Charlie Brown Christmas to the execs at CBS. And I went back very with great fear to CBS and I showed it to him. It was a week before it was to go on the air and they hated it. The two top people just hated it. They said, you know, the, it's too slow and it's very religious. In those days that was a big deal, you know, back in the 60s. And it's not particularly fun. And I was just devastated, you know, because I, I didn't think it was, it was that good either. And the head guy there said, well, we're going to have to run it. It's scheduled, but unfortunately, you know, there probably aren't going to be any more. And then uh, they, had, they said, there's a guy from Time Magazine downstairs that wants to look at it. And they said, but we don't dare show it to him. We don't like it. I said, well, it's going to be worse if you don't show it to him. So we go down and there's a fellow in there and me and we sit and we watch it. And he doesn't say a word and he gets up and leaves. So I come home absolutely with my tail between my legs and I figure we are doomed. Day before the show, Time Magazine comes out and this fellow wrote the most glowing 
review you could imagine, said it should run forever, which shocked all of us. Then it goes on the air and gets like a 45 share. And in those days, there were only three networks. I think we had half the United States tune in who had television. And that Monday, the CBS fella called up and he said, um, well, we're going to buy five, four more Charlie Brown shows, but I wanted you to know that my aunt in New Jersey didn't like it either. That was his, that was his justification. Now, for me, the most memorable and enduring part of the special is the music. The music was done by jazz musician Vince Guaraldi. And Vince uh, became part of the team uh, before there was even a Christmas special to produce. Producer Lee Mendelson was driving across the Golden Gate Bridge and heard Vince's music on the radio. I think this was way back in, like, 1963. He went on to work with uh, Mendelssohn and Schultz on this, like, six-minute Peanuts documentary that was passed over by all the networks because, you know, like I was saying before, they didn't want kids that talked like adults. So cut to two years later in 1965, Coca-Cola wants that special. They turn back to Vince to make the music, and he knocks it out of the park. One of my favorite stories was when the producer realized that they needed a theme song for the show. He just grabbed one of Vince's instrumentals uh, and wrote some dots and some dashes down, and then in 15 minutes, he banged out the lyrics to Christmas Time is Here. That song's been covered again and again. It's played all the time on the holiday season, and just to think, someone cranked that out in 15 minutes just because he was under a deadline, and now it's a legendary song. Like, I've been working on this podcast for way longer than 15 minutes. I guarantee it will not be around in 50 years. Some of you may have deleted it already. Anyway, back to Vince. On the liner notes for the soundtrack to the Christmas special, there's a quote from Vince, and he says, I don't think I'm a great piano player, but I would like to have people like me to, to play pretty tunes and reach the audience. And I hope some of those tunes will become standards. I want to write standards, not just hits. And you got to say, he certainly accomplished what he set out to accomplish. Because not only are the songs from the special played all over every Christmas season, but the track called Linus and Lucy has become synonymous with the Peanuts, regardless of the time of year. In fact, there's a new Peanuts movie coming out this Christmas, and it uses that song in the teaser trailer. And to think, that movie... And everything on television you've ever seen of the Peanuts would never have happened had it not been for a Charlie Brown Christmas. If it not had been as special as it was, if it hadn't been as huge of a hit, like, you wouldn't have this huge empire. You would just have the comic. That's all you'd have. But fortunately, a Charlie Brown Christmas was as good as it was, and it stuck with everybody, and now we all get to enjoy it and pass it on to future generations. So, uh, way to go, Charles Schultz. You're doing it. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. All right, for the last feature on today's show, I'd like to set up something that you guys can get involved with. There's a lot of Christmas carols out there, but even so, there's still a finite amount of songs to choose from. So a lot of songs get sung by multiple different artists. The question we are going to answer in this segment is, who sang it better? Now, this segment is not intended to put any artist down. Like, it's not to say, oh, this artist is bad. It's only to say which of your favorite of the two versions of this particular Christmas carol is your favorite. Now, I'm never going to pick a bad Christmas carol to put in here so that we can all make fun of him, which is why Justin Bieber will never be in this segment. Boom! Boom! I just lost my Belieber contingent. 
So for today's matchup, I picked one of my favorite Christmas carols, Winter Wonderland. And it's going to be sung by two completely different artists. So let's meet today's contestants. Contestant number one is a lounge legend. He was part of the Rat Pack, starred in the original Ocean's Eleven, hosted a series of TV roast specials that were super popular back in the day. That's right, it's the one and only Dino, Dean Martin. Sleigh bells ring, are you listening? In the lane, snow's glistening. A beautiful sight, all we're happy tonight. Walking in a winter wonderland. Gone away is a bluebird here to stay. Is a new bird, he's singing a song as we go along, walking in a window in the land. Who could hope to compete with such a musical legend? Well, it's none other than Mr. Blue Suede Shoes himself. Ed Sullivan had to shoot him from the waist up because he was too hot. The one and only king of rock and roll, Elvis Presley! I want you folks to go to can'twaitforchristmaspod.com to cast your vote for who you think sang Winter Wonderland the best. Now, once you're there, you'll find links to the YouTube videos for both songs. You can listen to both songs before you vote. And then you can cast your vote and come back and listen next time when this magical sleigh ride of a podcast beams back into your feed sometime in late August. And I'll announce who's the winner of our first ever Can't Wait for Christmas, Who Sang It Best. Well, that's it. We've come to the end of our first episode here at the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast. Uh, I hope you guys liked it. If there's anything you would like to hear in a future episode, please shoot me an email, tim at tancast.com, or you can just leave it on the website. Just leave a comment on uh, this episode at can'twaitforchristmaspod.com. Yeah, so uh, thanks for listening, and uh, remember, until next time, keep laughing all the way. Christmas 1983. Actually, Dad, it's 2015. Oh. Ho, ho, ho. Thank you for listening to the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast. If you like the show, please review us on iTunes. Maybe give us a five-star review. That'll put you on my nice list this year. <laughs> if you have any comments, you can go to can'twaitforchristmaspod.com and leave them on this episode. Or if you'd like to email Tim directly, his email address is tim at tancast.com. The Can't Wait for Christmas podcast is part of the TanCast Podcast Network. We wish you a Merry Christmas was performed by the United States Marine Band, and Jingle Bells was performed by Kevin McLeod and is used under a Creative Commons license. All right, I can't think of anything to say. How about you, little boy? God bless us, everyone. (laughs) What? dictate this into my uh, iPad before I read it, and I don't know what I actually said, but it says, but don't know that, and you can just get the Spanish algorithm, that blog. That it could not possibly be what I've said. 
If you don't know the song or you don't watch the Conan show, it was a brilliant piece of writing uh, by his uh, writing staff. By his Tommy staff? <sighs> they didn't call many characters all the time on the cottage. There's no way that's what I said! Ugh, all my notes are on this pad, and they're all going to be messed up like that. Oh, boy. Mmm, Apple dictation was maybe not the way to go. Boo! <laughs> Honestly, I'd forgotten about this song for a pretty long time. I rediscovered it last year when I got an album of... No- I am not reading this at all. I am coming up with this off the top of my head. Number two is another classic Christmas carol given a comedy spin, and it's Let It Snow, performed by Captiva Card. <laughs> Fitness pal line is tedious Charlie Brown. I think it's then his pal Linus teaches Charlie Brown and all of us. Yeah, that's what it is. Okay. Mm, I just lost my Belieber listeners. Don't stop believing.